0: Hi, I'm Rajor Dash and you're listening to Queerness and Storytelling in India. So today I have with me Gaurab Ghosh, who teaches literature at the School of Liberal Arts, NMIMS University, Mumbai. He completed his post-graduation in English Literature and MPhil in English and Cultural Studies from JNU and currently pursuing PhD in Theater Studies at the School of Arts and Aesthetics in JNU. Gaurab is a theater activist and has acted and directed in various plays in Bengali, Hindi, and English. He is the recipient of Fulbright and Charles Wallace India Trust Fellowships and performed both in the US and UK during his fellowships. He has a few publications in books, journals, and newspapers to his credit. He's also a queer rights activist and India's first openly gay student to contest a major university election in 2013. Uh, Welcome, Gaurav. And I was thinking that this last part is actually how, you know, the part about your political um, affiliation and you being in JNU is what sort of uh, you know, led to your fan following in a way, like, you know, people know you as this face, the queer uh, rights activist who is also affiliated to SFI. So how did this happen? And I ask you this also because from your Facebook post, it seems that you are actively part of uh, SFI still and uh, not just at the university level, but also you know at the public more public like wider level when you are trying to have people um you know uh people sort of i won't say recruit from what i understand but i think having more younger people uh, overall in left um in bengal from what i understand so is it a kind of a stepping into a more wider political um sort of vote bank politics is that what is happening
1: Uh, So, I now work with Communist Party of India Marxist, CPIM, which is the largest communist party in India. SFI has relieved me because they thought that I should now join some other uh, mass front of the party. So, but I'm still very much active and uh, I work with SFI. So, uh, my connection with SFI started in 2006 uh formerly uh, when i was admitted in jnu uh in masters in english studies and uh, when at uh, the time of my contestation sfi at that time was going through a kind of a very uh, difficult phase because the jnu unit was uh, was splintered uh, you know and uh, there was another uh, there are two divisions and we were trying to uh, bring back sfi back on campus So it was a very difficult time when SFI approached me, whether I want to contest in an election or not. And I was the most senior leader at that time, activist uh, on on campus. And I said yes to it because I um, uh, said that, yes, this is the time when the organization needed me the most. But I also made it a point that, you know, uh, perhaps we also need to send a strong message out to people that I am also a queer student. And I was very fortunate to have a very progressive SFI leadership, you know, because uh, being uh, from the Communist Party of India, Marxist and from SFI, uh, I uh, have to admit that my own party, left party, was not very queer friendly. And so is the case with other left parties also. It's a process through which they are also learning, understanding, showing solidarity. So at that time, uh, both my party and its mass uh, organization, SFI, uh, the leadership really early, uh, supported me and I went on stage and that historic moment happened when I said that uh, if you to elect me and I was standing for general secretary position, then you will also have to keep in mind that I'm also a queer person and I would make the campus more gender and sexuality uh, identity inclusive. campus and uh, that happened and so media covered me and uh, this was 2013 and uh, you know nobody thought that uh, you know it was a risk which SFI took because a lot of uh, uh, conservative vote bank of SFI didn't vote you know so they said that what was the need uh, but that uh, gave out a message in the country so after that wherever I traveled uh people actually I saw that there was confusion, but as a party supported me, my candidature. So people actually, a lot of comrades, activists, sympathizers, supporters, they started having this discussion on sexuality. So I think that moment was very historic in uh uh queer history in the in the history of queer activism in India and as well as uh left activism, history of left activism in India, because um, it changed many things. Uh, JNU became many queer, more queer friendly. I don't know if, if we can call it a success or not, but uh, AVP, being the right wing outfit also started to talk about uh, queer issues. And obviously in a very horrible, in most uh, illogical and irrational way, but they still started talking about it. And now my association with the party has helped to uh, help me to meet lots of people. SFI from uh, particularly across the country uh, invites me. a Lot of SFI units to talk about sexuality, to talk about identities and uh, queerness, and uh, that helped in it helped me in meeting lot of young people who uh, are drawn uh, to left politics. And that's what I'm currently uh, trying to read, understand, think, and also work towards is the queer left politics. That how queer and left politics can come together because, uh, and also queer left Dalit politics. So, and queer left Dalit and minority politics. So it becomes... Wider, so I am engaging with uh, young people on these lines now. So let's see how it uh, comes up. But a lot of work is going on in Kerala, in Bengal, in Tamil Nadu. So I'm very excited.
0: Thank you for that, like amazing uh, and exciting history. And I do know that uh, SFI was not that progressive at that time because I remember talking to Maitrey and uh, she was part of Anjuman. Which was, I think, the first uh, queer support group in JNU, and how they were, how you know, the, they were not sort of well received by any, you know, any student body. Uh, but I'm also trying to understand. Uh, generally, there is an impression that left is progressive, right? And we have a certain history, like the Progressive Writers Association, uh, their own sort of affiliation with the left. And so I'm just trying to understand if there is a lack of or if there was, you know, a lack of uh, sensitization around uh, issues of sexuality and queerness. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from, let's say, Stalinist kind of, uh, um, you know, politics? Uh, So I'm just trying to understand. And of course, now in Russia, uh, you know, things are not great for uh, LGBTQ subjects. So I'm trying to understand, is there like a discrepancy in what people expect the left to be and what its usual responses are? Or do you think that's a conversation of the past and things have really moved forward?
1: I, uh, it's a very interesting, uh, point and observation, but I think that, uh, uh, it's not the conversation of the past only. It's also the conversation regarding the, uh, present, uh, time and politics, because, uh, we cannot, uh, ignore the fact that, uh, post Lenin's USSR was, uh, quite homophobic in many fronts we also cannot ignore the fact that Indian left post-partition and independence uh, did not uh, engage with the question of sexual identities uh, at length. And uh, as you said, uh, Rajushi, I think uh, uh, it's uh, we think that left is, we we believe the left is very progressive and we uh, very... uh, uh, You know, it's a it's a kind of uh, an expectation that uh, left would uh, stand with the marginalised, with the oppressed, with the minority, and uh, it happens most of the time. But I also think that uh, being a left uh, activist, that I cannot blame the uh, the left leaders that why they were not engaging with the. Queer identity politics because they were also lacking the language of communication or uh, you know or, or debating on this because. Um it's true our uh, understanding of gender sexual identity is very heteronormative the language that is available to us is also very heteronormative and uh, you know there was there was not much discussion about it within the left also in general and within the left so uh, and uh, and i'm sure that if there were queer communist Marxist activists, they were shut down or they didn't get the space to talk about it. So we have to remember that in the past that this had been the case Uh, in present time uh, it has changed definitely post my candidature things have changed in an extensive manner within SFI and within CPIM also. So uh, uh, now we have formed committees uh, if you know now west bengal has a mass front called all uh, democratic association of lgbtiq plus so it's a mass front which is very new and but we are doing more works uh, we are particularly doing more works with transgender people and uh, trans men women uh, non binary in west bengal and our plan is to expand it across the country so this is uh, a historic i would say this is this is a historic moment you know uh, keeping in mind the global left the uh, USSR left, the Indian left, how they responded to the question of gender and sexual identities in the past. And now in the last 10 years, 10 to 15 years, how it has changed, particularly uh, in, uh, in the context of Indian left is remarkable. And that was a historical moment, I would say, when we see mainstream left leaders coming and standing with us when we launched all uh, when we launched uh, democratic association of lgbtiq plus and uh, and this is a national leadership as well as a bengal leadership so i think that uh, things are changing uh, we have uh, for the first time dyfi in kerala which is dyfi is again a mass front of youth mass front of cpim so uh, dyfi in kerala uh, included a transgender person in the central uh, in the state committee so uh, these representations are very important Because uh, leadership is looking at us, the cadres are looking at us, the activists are looking at us, and our conservative as well as non-conservative vote bank also looking at this representation. So the discussion is uh, on. And the dialogue is on and uh, it's very important that we are reaching out to people. And I have told it many times when I was SFI activist that uh, we have to take our activism to rural India our activism uh, is still very much urban-centric, queer activism. We have to break this and take it to rural India. And I'm very happy to see Dyfi SFI is actually doing it. Uh, It's a slow process, but the process has started.
0: So do you see this kind of uh, mobilization having an impact in uh, Vote Bank? Like, I'm wondering like given the state of the left in bengal like it's not strong it hasn't been that strong ever since uh the uh like the beginning of the mamta era if i may say so uh but i think it's 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 kind of weaker than it was before also because of the rise of bjp in bengal so do you see that mobilization having an impact on vote banks? so wh- i'm i'm trying to think about what is the state of the political and when i say political i mean party political you know, uh, a state of the LGBTQI uh, uh, people, uh, are they being considered as vote bank or is that not something that, at least in your vision, uh, you see that happening?
1: Uh, So I have two answers to it. So one is that CPIM does not support minority groups or marginalized groups to win an election. Even if we lose, we will keep our standing with the marginalized oppressed. That has been our politics. And we believe in that. When SFI uh, fielded me as a queer candidate, it was a huge risk. You know, Uh, a lot of uh, SFI sympathizers walked up to me and said that we are not going to vote for you because you are already a popular guy saying that uh, being a theater actor on campus. What was the need to say that you are queer? You know, this is an identity politics which you are playing and we are anti this. So we will not vote. So, but that didn't stop SFI from building me as an openly queer person, one. And second is, uh, uh, as we keep on saying that even if we lose, we will stand. And that's, that is the you know, uniqueness of, uh, I think, CPIM that, you know, even if you lose, knowing that you are siding with uh, the right cause against the majority population, uh, you will lose it. Still, you will be with the right cause. Second one, I think that um, we are mobilizing it. It's sad that in India, uh, LGBT community is not looked as a potential vote back. It is very scattered. I think once it is recognized as a potential vote bank, then the political parties would show more interest. Right now, uh, the queer uh, sections, you know, citizens are not mobilized. They're not together. They have not formed a body. And that's what brings us to this question that whether India has a queer rights movement or not. I think... If you have a political movement, there is a scope for mobilization, and then there is a scope for creating a vote bank with demands, and you can negotiate. In India, queer activism has stayed as as, as activism, but not as a movement, and uh, and and so there is no vote bank as such. So, in Bengal, the left is rising, I would say, because particularly keeping in mind what is happening right now with the present government led by Prirumul Congress. So, uh, but it is also interesting to see that how, what kind of questions left is engaging with in Bengal. <clears throat> left is engaging with the question of uh, tribals, uh, with the sexual minorities, with uh, women uh, questions. So these are the questions left is engaging with, which left, uh, any left party should do, uh, you know, engage with and uh, do engage with and uh, particularly talk about economics and uh, economy and uh, workers' rights and all this. So CPM is also doing it, but I won't say that there is a vote back, queer vote back. It has not. Uh, we are. Uh, we have still not uh, been able to make it into a uh, vote bank. We are trying to do it. We are trying to have subgroups in trade unions. We are trying to have uh, mass front like uh, Democratic Association of LGBTQ+. plus. We are trying to have a, a conversation with women's group, which have been a part of the left queer politics for a long, long time. But we are doing it quite militantly now. So we are trying to push and promote our objectives, our demands, and how left queer politics can be uh, strengthened. But uh, till now, I don't think there is a vote, a queer vote.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I see like there is a like a some kind of contradiction in in the way that the left is not catering to a vote bank, but also trying to sort of appeal maybe to a certain degree of uh, you know a certain kind of sort of queer people. But the question about identity politics uh, that you raise, I find pretty fascinating because that's one of my own sort of research questions in my dissertation. And I'm doing an online survey, um, which is not restricted to India, where I would sort of ask activists and aca- people in academia to respond to certain questions, like whether, whether they see these academic engagements as being distinct from their personal lives, and whether um, you know, queerness, which is often not seen as an identity, especially in queer theory or queer of color critique, whether there is a potential to see it as an identity, but not necessarily in a narrow way, because uh, especially uh, given the histories of uh, Black queer histories, especially in the United States, uh, often queerness has been embraced as an identity, but not in a very narrow sense of like, you know, it's like a single based issue. Rather, it has always been intersectional. Um And that actually um makes me wonder, like, Uh, do you have like do you see that the the reason why uh, there is no as you said movement uh, is it because of these different approaches to either queerness uh, as an identity or queerness as something that's being done like as as a possibility as Jose Esteban Munoz would even say like you know something that's there uh, on the horizon or do you see it more in terms of uh, like a region based thing like you were saying like it's still more urban based even though some of the histories are not that urban based Uh, i'm thinking of some of these uh uh, documentation of lesbian suicides in the 80s or lesbian marriages in the 80s and i know that a lot of people have also written about that done their research i believe Priyam from JNU Priyam Ghosh did her research on that as well um so what, what i'm what i'm trying to ask is the problem and you you recognize it as a problem the fact that you know there is no sort of movement or there is no sort of one body uh but do you is there a way to see this as maybe like the diversity of uh of uh, queer politics especially given the trend that we see among many gay groups in particular to appeal to the right-wing government.
1: Uh, yes, you would uh, answer this uh, taking your last point, and uh, because I keep fighting with these people every day, uh, so uh, particularly from the state of Maharashtra, uh, where I'm located right now, so there are groups like Proud Brahmin Gay Boys on Facebook, and 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 and, uh, and there are lots of queer uh, groups, support group, or mostly queer. Pleasurely, leisurely groups, you know, are uh, formed where lot of right-wing uh, promotions are there. So in a group, when I say I'm from JNU, if I introduce myself, there is immediately four or five right-wing queer men would come and say, you are anti-national and why are you here in this group? And, you know, and they would just attack me. And, uh, and very interestingly, they would organize like Hindu queer meets. You know, they, they made it a point to emphasize on the fact that you are Hindu and you are queer. So uh, it's, a, uh, it's an important, we are celebrating four years of decriminalization of 377. This is a transition period. And we still, we as queer individual citizens, activists, we are not very clear that what is next. Next cannot be only queer marriage rights for which it seems particularly the gay community in specifically uh, specifically is uh, fighting, you know, for the right. Marriage rights is, of course, it's, it's an important right, but that cannot be your, so your only right, uh, legal fight. Now, now, we see in India, queer activism has been recognized very much legally. It is not very much accepted or implemented socially. If it has been, it's very much within the urban circles. Now, uh, unlike America, where the gay liberation movement started uh, with a particular, it, it, has, it, it had its own moments and uh, episodes of differences, diversities and problems, but it started as a movement. Unlike that, in India, LGBT activism, uh, started as, you know, part of the HIV-AIDS awareness program. Now, uh, it's, we have to think that, you know, it's part of the awareness program and then it brought in many de- uh, debates, you know, in the, in, uh, in the public sphere, particularly with the film uh, Fire, you know, and the activists coming and openly talking about it. Uh, the year fire was released there was also a film called tamanna which was released you know and it's on a transgender uh, individual's life so things were happening but things were happening more uh, on the cultural front on the very urban uh, activism front and uh, this is the time when we failed to uh, actually appeal to a uh, majority of the Indian population so nas foundation happened so very legally we have fought the fought for the cause but uh, which was uh, which i think is important because uh, you uh, have a legal uh, weapon you know to fight against all kind of harassment but at the same time uh, i think the awareness is not uh, has not been enough and, and this is the time this is the space which is now getting uh, hijacked by right wing people they have understood it. And with these rising uh, right-wing and fascist forces in India, what is happening is that they are actually, we, we, we cannot ignore the fact that there were gay people who supported Nazi Germany and uh, Hitler. So there are gay Indians who are, are Indian gays who are supporting Modi and uh, who are uh, talking about, uh, you know, uh, gay community and not talking about very important issues like rights you know uh, employment of uh, gay and transgender people uh, they are all coming for very upper caste and upper class uh, demography which is again a very, very interesting thing to re- uh, uh, you know remember and uh, draw attention to that uh, who uh, that that we as activists creating what kind of spaces Our spaces till now have been very urban. You know, the lesbian suicides that you have talked about, again, because it was Kerala, it was a communist state, you know, which actually uh, documented the lesbian suicides. We have to also understand that there were lesbian suicides in other states also, which were perhaps not documented enough. Uh, Because you see most of the lesbian suicides which are documented are coming from Kerala. Again, who reports it? Who does the reporting and you know these are these matter uh, now of, uh, in urban circles gay activism is fantastic, nice you know but what about the rural circles you know I often give this example that if I am a Dalit a Muslim, a woman from one of the most rural areas of North India you know who speak only a regional language will I get this kind of access or opportunity or exposure to queer activism? Perhaps no, but I do exist, you know, and what happens to me? Who comes to me, you know? So who talks about my identity, my representation? So I think uh, the time is quite difficult for our activism because I don't know the progressive uh, and liberal, I'm very uh, sad to, uh, you, you know, use the term liberal, but uh, progressive, liberal uh, activists, you know, how they are imagining uh, the activism in the next few years. Because uh, compared to us, uh, or the liberal activists, uh, progressive activists, Right-wing queer activists or uh, right-wing queer individuals are very, very uh, active. They are constantly creating these small, small spaces and mobilizing. And that, you know, takes us to your question, the last one that about the vote bank. They are actually creating a vote bank. They are cre- creating a vote bank of queer individuals who are drawn towards right-wing politics, ideology, and will vote for Modi. So this is something which we need to pay attention to because we can't keep uh, ignoring it and be oblivion of the fact that this is not happening. But this is happening and this is very dangerous. Mm-hmm.
0: And also, the interestingly, the contradiction that actually the Modi government did not support the decriminalization and actually opposed it in the court in 2018 uh, and also simultaneously opposed, later opposed, subsequently that, you know, the marriage, the gay marriage um, petitions, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, to the question that you earlier sort of raised about gay marriage, and it's a nice transition to the documentary Gay Matrimony, that where you were one of the main protagonists, um, I'm curious to know, like, um, like given the fact that uh, Debulina mojumdar has also been involved i think if i'm not mistaken with representation of uh, of lesbian deaths in media and there has been works on non sort of metropolitan sort of city uh, you know based regions by let's say Oni, Oni that uh, um who teaches in iowa and there have been some attempts of course made by earlier writers like early editors like Ashwini Sukthankar to sort of record and archive, you know, stories from across India and small groups are of course coming up. Uh, I spoke to uh, Davidson recently who had co-founded the Chinky Homo project and it seems they are doing an amazing work in uh, Manipur. Uh, so do you would you say that the issue of gay marriage is now is an issue which is pan-India or is it getting a lot of visibility precisely because it's been made visible by certain people in certain metropolitan cities? I'm saying, like, do you think certain issues are being covered more by the media? I'm also thinking of Bollywood's uh, sort of, you know, so-called positive representation of uh, gay and lesbian relationships, uh, whether it's... um, badhai do and some of these other it's a great film actually i like the film i liked uh, the way they rep- sort of it's very nuanced certain parts very well mm-hmm. thought out um and of course there are other films like uh, gilipuchi uh, which takes a very different turn towards the mm-hmm. end um and there are films which are not so sensitively done uh, especially with regard to representation of trans characters i chandigar kareyashik if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. So do you think like the fact that we all are discussing gay marriage, like even though we may not agree with it or disagree with it, or you, we may agree with it with some, you know, footnotes, do you think that itself is becoming an issue because of the coverage of uh, certain sections of the media? Or do you think it's, um, it's actually an issue that people are interested in beyond certain states and beyond certain castes?
1: I think people who are interested in the issue are people who are queer and who want to have same-sex marriage uh, and obviously allies uh, and people who are forced, quote unquote, forced to uh, see the issue because of media coverage and films and talks, you know, Um, there is a kind of a dialogue, discussion going on, you know, in the city, in the country that, oh, yes, the gay marriage, gay marriage. So I think uh, that's the case. Uh, It's also, it would be interesting to see that who are uh, interested in gay marriages, Uh, marriage, uh, uh, you know, event management uh, companies, because uh, it is just like replacing heteronormative marriage with monormative marriage. So, you know, it's the same big, fat Indian wedding. It's just two grooms. And, uh, you know, we often see how uh, NRI marriages, you know, same-sex marriages, you know, are portrayed in media, you know. Uh, I, I, I don't see that. Uh, we don't see, mm, you know, Muslims, Sikhs uh, or uh Christians or Dalits, uh, Dalit same-sex couples as such. We see we see Hindu gay couples mostly and we see rituals happening, you know, and it's the same rituals which are happening. I sometimes wonder uh, when the couples agree to the ritual-based marriage ceremonies, are they not experimenting with rituals, you know? because some heteronormative rituals they could just do away with or just turn it into very queer-friendly, queer-oriented rituals. So, but anyway, uh, marriage right is important. It should not have, uh, it should not be like that only civil partnership for same-sex people and marriage for, uh, you know, marriage as an institution is uh, uh, is a, Problem. And uh, once we get the marriage right, we should fight for uh, the abolition of marriage as an institution and uh, for both heterosexual and homosexual marriages, uh, uh, partnerships. So, uh, but I think uh, in India, the question is now legally getting fought. One, and second is that uh, even if uh, uh, there is a way welcoming observation by recently by Supreme Court where Supreme Court said that uh, non normative uh, family structure is also considered as family, you know, and like for example queer partnership can also look as look uh, at as a family unit. So these are very welcoming address, uh, welcoming observation, welcoming statements, and. Uh, uh but we we have to see that uh if we get let's say let's imagine we get gay rights marriage uh, gay marriage rights uh, in india uh, what is then after what comes after that after that comes uh, adoption rights surrogacy rights we know the erstwhile uh, minister susma swaraj from bjp passed surrogacy laws which uh, uh, don't uh, allow Uh, gay couples to for surrogacy or uh, for adoption also. It's very difficult in India. So uh, these issues need to be also addressed, talked, debated and questioned not only in the court but also outside the court. And as I'm saying that whatever we do, we clinch our uh, issues legally but we don't clinch them socially enough. So I think the social awareness is very slow. We have to understand it's a vast country, very complex country with this caste system, with so many religions, so many languages. So, uh, and that's why we need a movement. And as a left activist, I think the movement has to be left queer. You know, Uh, I think the left movement and the queer, uh, left party and the queer organizations should come together and form a left queer movement. And I think that would uh, give more visibility to queerness in India. People would talk about it. And when I say people, I mean ordinary rural Indians, not urban Indians only. So I think that would be interesting to see how they uh, look at queerness. We have a lot of terms in India to address queerness. So it's not like that Indian, rural, rural India is not aware of it. They're aware of it, they just don't want to talk about it. The point is that let them talk about it. Let them come with their views. And there has to be some kind of conversation. Uh then I
0: think it would be interesting. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure if there is not the conversation, like because I mean I think like you said, that the vocabulary might be different. So I believe like the conversation is happening, but maybe at not at the same bandwidth that uh, you know, that's recognized by, let's say, mainstream media or even mainstream quiz scholars like us. Um, but I'm curious to know also, because um, I mentioned the documentary earlier, and of course, it's more personal, right? Um, so you had, so I mean, firstly, you, you had this very interesting uh, ad, I guess, not an ad, but yeah, sort of an ad that you posted on Facebook, I remember a couple of years back. And Like you did not get your suitable suitor. Did you you get any?
1: Boy, yeah, maybe a suitable boy. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't get it. Yeah, (laughs) that was all part of the documentary. So it was a made up plan.
0: Yeah. You also had this scene with your family, I think your sister and your brother-in-law who were not very supportive. So what was the process like? Was it difficult and was it more difficult to revisit that through the Again, okay. When it was made and when you were asked questions maybe about the film, like now you are, you know, I'm trying to ask you questions about it. So is the afterlife of the documentary more difficult?
1: Yeah, I th- uh, I say that the process was fun working with Ebolina. It was quite fun. A uh, lot of uh, discussions went in and all this. But after the production, when I look back and when I... Uh, listen to my sister and brother-in-law saying those words. It's very traumatizing. Uh, I'm not used to it, but uh, when initially I watched the film two, three times, it was very traumatizing for me to, not traumatizing, I would say, it's more disappointing and it's a kind of sadness, you know, that my own team is not supporting me. Uh, my mother actually said a very important line, and which was edited out. And she said, When I understood who he is, I had a girl in my mind, but I did not want him to marry that girl because, as a woman, I did not want to ruin another girl's life. And as a mother, I did not want to ruin my son's life, too. So I was very happy that she put the woman first and then the mother. Mm-hmm. you know and uh, so, so why was it edited so, out
0: it seems like an important line
1: i don't know but maybe lot of things were edited out or said lot of things are against Modi everything was edited out i think <laughs> uh, so so uh, so it's it's director's discretion maybe also censor shape or, or something i don't know maybe edited, they found that it's not fitting into it. So, but I remember my mother saying this thing to, uh, in her interview. So the afterlife was uh, nice. The film, the I uh, we have shown the film a couple of times in the last few months, and the response is brilliant. And uh, I I have been told by so many people that when is the second version coming, because everybody wants to see the second version. So I told the Aburina that, you know, we should try to do a second, a sequel or something of the India Matrimony. So, yes. So that is, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering, did it uh, bother you that these the film was entirely based in city, like, you know, mostly upper caste? people gatherings like and I don't there is a conversation that happened with I think one of the Jadapur University professor Mm. about uh, intercaste marriages but uh, was that a concern that you all raised or did Debulina discuss it with you? Uh,
1: Debolina, Shayan and uh, Ochi and me you know four of us are all city people so I think uh, for us, uh, the easiest way was to communicate with city people, to navigate within the city and not going to the rural areas. Though we go to suburbs for Orchi's sister's marriage and my best friend's marriage, Sharmishta's marriage, into the suburbs. But we really didn't engage with people there so much. And our, I think Devolina's main concern was to see how the system or how the mainstream marriage uh, mechanism actually work you know so because uh, for example the marriage bureau office the matrimonial ad office you know so they were all city uh, located in the city so it was uh, interesting to see that how they would uh, uh, you know interact with us so I think that was the part of the process
0: yeah I, I noticed though and I don't know if I'll I'll uh, get a chance to interview Debolina, uh, and I might reach out to her soon. Uh, but I noticed that there was a lot of focus on your and Cheyenne's, uh family, but not on Debolina's family. So are these choices? So I'm what I'm trying to understand. Like you mentioned, the editorial choices. So was it the choice of the editor, the director only, or did you? I think think it
1: was Zebolina's choice the Mm -hmm. director's choice Mm -hmm. yeah I think maybe Mm -hmm. our families were uh, uh, our families agreed to talk and maybe she didn't talk to her ailing parents so
0: yeah oh yeah that's another important concern I suppose health and as I understand this film was started in 2014 and was released uh, in 20 if I'm not Uh, mistaken 19,
1: 19 19 I think
0: 2019 so, so it took a, almost five years to make the film. Wow, wow! And in between, so many things happened, like 2018. So, many things happened. so did it change your uh, like how you were looking at the film uh, now, given so much discussions around gay marriage?
1: I think the debates uh, that the film talks about are very pertinent in today's time. Also, that about same sex marriage. So I think nothing has changed so much, but I think the film keeps uh, ringing the right bell about same-sex marriage. So, yes, I think uh, maybe in Iowa, you should screen the film.
0: Because <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I should. That would be lovely. And actually, wh- what I liked about the film was also those gatherings I think those were gatherings by of Sappho members, if I'm not mistaken, and there were these weird tensions, also not weird but tensions (laughs) Tensions. and tensions around intimacy, um, which I found really exciting. And actually, those were the things I was really curious to you know know more about. Um, What what do you do with those moments and Uh, you know, companionship or romantic expectations that don't get fulfilled? Do you stay with that? Is there a queer way of dealing with it? In fact, this is a question which I asked Ashwini Sukhankar, um, you know, in my last interview. Um, And I'm wondering, do you also navigate that in a way? Like you are from academia and in your case, clearly the politics is sort of associated with the personal life. There is, if I'm not mistaken, there isn't much distinction as to how you do, uh, you know, how you are in academia and how you are as a person outside academia. So are these tricky negotiations that happen like uh, past companions or present companions and dating life?
1: OK, so i Quickly uh, answered it because uh, my uh, battery is low and it will just go off any moment. So uh, yes, tricky and also very interesting negotiations and dialogues happen between me, the academic, me the activist, and me the searcher for my suitable boy. So they are sometimes dark, sometimes grey, sometimes colourful, and. Uh, the film has made me also realize and made me understand the nuances of same-sex marriage or marriage as, as a whole. And uh, I do look at my past life. My, uh, you know, uh, my, I was uh, going through a bad breakup when my SFI candidature happened that same year. And that same year, uh, you know, Supreme Court decriminalized homosexuality. Uh, so, so I look back at that time and uh, the film started shooting, uh, you know, the next year. So, so I look back at all these memories and I also look back at me, how I have evolved as a gay person. So with my politics, with my individual expectations, desires. So with me navigating in gay dating apps and Constantly looking at how uh, sexual desire is casteist or, you know, is, is the, or desire is very caste-based also. Very uh, weird things, you know. So I'm slowly learning also all
0: these things. So, yes. Okay, so, I mean, I mean, given that fact that you were in Mumbai, which is such a, like, I'm told, I've never been to Mumbai, by the way, a uh, happening city. And I plan to visit Mumbai later this year. Uh, so, is there something happening in Mumbai? Like, all you were you surrounded with all these right wing people. Are there any hot right wing guys that you have met? Uh,
1: no, I avoid meeting uh, <laughs> right wing guys, especially post 2014 when Modi became our prime minister. And um,
0: I really don't
1: date uh, right wing. Uh, Like, I don't even hook up with them. So, it's interesting to see how the lesbian and trans uh, scene in uh, Bombay is uh, evolving because uh, it's nice to see uh, the city, uh, you know, the queer circles in the city uh, promoting and embracing trans people. So... That's very interesting. Uh, The Lesbian Circle is quite politicized, uh, quite fun Uh, as far as I have uh, navigated and understood. The Gay Circle is very, uh, it's all about hookup and it's all about just hookup. It's all about just hookup And, uh, and if I say any progressive thing ever, uh there will be people oh you're from jane you only talk about all these why all these things you know why do you talk about feminism you know feminism is nothing but hatred towards men so i said you know you coming from <laughs> a gay person all these things very very uh disappointing so yeah that happens
0: i i won't mind the hooking up conversation maybe you can host me and take me to all these <laughs> you know but it's, I think it's just talking to the world you know that
1: it really doesn't <laughs> go anywhere
0: yeah but on a serious note of course um, uh, Mumbai has had a much more um, and Maharashtra at large has had a much more radical history with regard to Dalit politics feminist politics um, Labia Labia like yeah, is I think still there um, and of course, when it comes to, uh, trans politics, it has been a, it's been a huge movement. And despite the, you know, despite the obvious differences, uh, political differences that's there across trans groups and communities, uh, there has still been a movement. Um, whether it's in Maharashtra, whether it's in, uh, Telangana, uh, Hyderabad, Hyderabad Telangana region, or, Um, even, you know, when it comes to a different kinds of trans politics uh, in Manipur and other parts of the Northeast. Uh, Which also brings me to my last question. How how are you navigating your life as a teacher? And do you, are you still invested in theatre?
1: Invested in theatre? Not so much because I'm still struggling to finish my PhD and this academic job. But I have started watching a lot of plays uh, in Prithvir Theatre because my university is very close to Prithvi Theatre. I also, in the process of forming a theatre, uh, the club is inactive but I'm uh, uh, activating the club and uh, planning to do, like I have, a, I'm teaching a course in Modern European Drama and I have asked uh, my students that instead of writing a term paper, you can just perform a piece and write a note on that process. So, so one of the students agreed to do a performance. So I'll be helping her out in that. So excited in that. So to do that process, entire process um, and process. Uh, and as uh, what what are the other questions that you asked about uh, my teaching? Right. Yeah. So, teaching is going on. It's fun. Uh, my colleagues are nice to me. Uh, my students are fun. Uh, they like me a lot. So, also I have uh, queer students. So, they look up to me. They uh, engage in some very important political questions. So, it's, uh, I teach in a private university and liberal arts department. But it's nice to see uh, students of 19, 20, 21 years old coming up to you when talking about politics, what affects them, you know, so it's quite uh, interesting. So we talk a lot about politics in class, how literature responds to it. I think think teaching is also part of my activism. So while I teach, I also try to bring a very Marxist understanding um, to address literature, art, culture. So that's uh, a way of, uh, I think, keeping my activism
0: inside the classroom. And is the the academic scene in Mumbai different from uh, Delhi or even Kolkata? Or are there like similarities? And I think I have the same similar question when it comes to activism. How different it is from Delhi and Kolkata?
1: delhi has been my city for 14 years now so uh, i was so i was very well known in delhi you know you, you know that i was very well known
0: and people do you, do you miss nobody. that attention in mumbai is that what you're saying
1: uh, no i think uh, i miss delhi for sure but in bombay also i'm getting attention so <laughs> that's not the that case but uh, bombay city is a different city Life is very hectic, life is very busy and uh, it's very different from Calcutta. But, uh, but I think somehow, you know, I love New York and uh, I had been to New York thrice and I think New York is a mix of Bombay and uh, Kolkata. So Calcutta and Bombay both are very much in New York. Calcutta is my favorite city. It will always remain my favorite city. My, my activism part was very short in calcutta compared to Delhi, but uh, i love my city calcutta i love its people i love its uh, nonsense i love its warmth love everything so uh, and very interestingly i have not hooked up or i have not got any suitable boy in calcutta it that's a lie <laughs> a- no but that's the truth that's the truth that i have never got uh, Compared to like Calcutta, I haven't caught anyone, but Delhi, of course, there were lovers, there were uh, nonsense people uh, for whom I fell in love with, and uh, it was very bad, traumatic. Uh, uh, I am very grateful to my feminist friends uh, from different left parties who uh, supported me, who were my support group, and who kept driving sense in me into me that. Uh, uh, stop falling in love with heterosexual men or stop falling in love with confused men. You know, at this age, it's a little late, I think, but I have understood that I was doing everything wrong. And my politics have become more nuanced, more matured. I look at things, uh, I don't judge things so easily now. I also I'm, I have become calmed down and patient with politics. So... Uh, I don't easily discard the possibilities. I, I'm, I'm very optimistic. A lot of people keep coming and telling me that there is no hope for left. and uh, I, I don't engage with them so much, but I keep telling myself there is a lot of hope for left, left in India. And uh, left is perhaps the strongest ally that the queer activism uh, can have right now in India. And it's important. Uh, for the queer activism in India to have uh, a political direction and I think the political direction would be possible if left comes and join hands with queer politics. So that's what my dream is. My dream is actually uh, C2, which is uh, the workers' mass front of CPIM Communist Municipality of India Marxist. So my my, my dream is that C2 will hold the red flag and the rainbow flag together. We are doing it, but I want workers, uh, factory, peasants to come and hold the rainbow flag and the red flag and lead a bright march. I think that day I will cry. I will definitely cry that day because it will be such a happy day for them. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know whether, whether uh, left is the solution, but I believe that left has a lot to gain by its proximity to queerness and uh, sort of revive itself and reimagine itself. Um, uh, and I'll, I don't know if that's, left is the future of queerness. And I'm sure a lot of people from, a lot of Dalit activists, Bahujan activists would not agree, uh, but maybe, maybe some will. Uh, but I do, uh, I do believe that there's a lot of scope in sort of coalition building. And that's also true for teachers' movements, and this is something which I kept telling people when I would go for Duta, which is the Delhi uh, University Teachers Association protests. Uh, they they had this one slogan. Um, uh, it's very. I don't know if it's a Marxist slogan, but it's it is so common. And I was like, what the what the fish? You know, like why are you so much against begging? Like you know, try to you know like. So it was so problematic, but then I think they also tried to uh, build coalition, you know, engage more with uh, other people who are protesting at Jantar Mantar. And I don't know if Jantar Mantar remains that site. Maybe it has changed, but earlier there were lots of possibilities of, you know, engaging with people who would just come and sit there, uh, you know, for days, for months often uh, and have a conversation. And I, I do think that's happening. So there is a lot of A lot of hope for sure. Um, And maybe they are not like queer in the sense when we think of like sexuality, but queer in various non-normative ways uh, of being, whether it's the citizenship protest, uh, Shahin Bagh, or later the protest, farmers protest. I saw a lot of queer groups kind of actively being part of these, uh, you know, moments and, you know, engaging with people. So that was, that's pretty heartening to see. So there is hope for sure um, Yeah, that I can I can see and appreciate. Um, any, any last thoughts?
1: I think you were doing a great job of bringing some of us and uh, having these uh, I was going through you know, the links that you have shared uh, with me and uh, variety of people like uh, for master's student uh, activist uh, Pawanthal seasoned activist you know so a lot of uh, you're doing a great uh, job Rajashi uh, staying away from India still connecting to India and doing your bit of queer activism so I think uh, we need uh, I I think uh, uh, academics also need to write a lot about queer activism Ani writes brilliant stuff uh, you know So I think we need more academics to talk about it and whether you are left leaning or not, uh, you should definitely keep writing about queer lives and queer stories. And I think there has to be activists, academics, cultural uh, personalities, culture, you can say it's have to come together and as I said that we cannot stick ourselves only to the legal achievements the social the legal, the implication has to be also seen in uh, social uh, spheres so so that's the thing but uh, my dream is also to see uh, imperialist America getting left queer politics uh, the right path Uh, I want to also see more queer men and women and trans friends in the America and uh, politics, in American politics. Uh, I think that will change definitely, and particularly uh, people of color and queer. Uh, so that will change many things in America. Uh, America and India, I was a, I'm a Fulbrighter, so I keep talking about the possibilities and friendship between the United States and India. And I think uh, one of the way, uh, areas where we can Really work together is uh, sexuality and gender identities. I don't know how much the Indian government will open up, but I'm sure the American part is quite uh, will be up for it. So that's again my another wish. But uh, mm-hmm. and then my mm-hmm. wish uh, is to see left and uh, left flag <laughs> and left flag flying together.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if the American government would be so keen, of, so excited about the left. But they are the embassy. Surely does a lot of these uh, normative kind of LGBTQ events, not yeah. just in India but also in other South Asian countries like Bangladesh yes. and Pakistan. And sometimes, of course, they are not great events. They are very like private events. But sometimes they are a little more nuanced and open. But thank you for uh, thank you for sort of looking at the episodes, and I'm hoping that you were able to listen to some of them um some of the episodes are directly relevant to my dissertation but uh others are not and I wanted to have a like a life after my dissertation uh because I hope to be back in India soon like work in India because I, I mean I, I love teaching I love teaching in Delhi but Delhi I mean the weather is so harsh on me so I don't know if I'll and of course The job market is really, really bad. So I don't know about that. But I hope to sort of, you know, uh, hope to work there um, closely uh, with people. Uh, Because uh, when I was in Delhi, I was very active. But then uh, there are limits. I also realized that, you know, once when I was beaten up by the police, I realized, okay, I also have my limitations. I'm not physically that strong. And, but it's very inspiring to see students and my own students who are so active, you know, so brave. Uh, And sometimes uh, one has to be there to support them, to uh, just provide them with the resources that they need. And being here in Global North gives you certain privileges. Uh, Although I still don't have money for this podcast, uh, but I, I try to sort of, you know, use some of my savings if, someone uh, you know and i offer do or try and offer remuneration in case someone doesn't have a job or like you know but that's not something which is like a long term you know so i'm also wondering what could be long-term ways of you know engaging with people communities and what are the ethical challenges should i also engage with those right-wing uh, people that you run into um uh, Or some people who are soft right-wing, you know what I mean? Like people also in academia. So what are the limits of engagement is something that I'm still thinking about. And hopefully you will see an interview that you won't like. (laughs) You know, maybe I'll interview someone talking about the, what what is it called? The Hindu-Queer Alliance or or talking about some kind of uh, trans Hindu politics, uh, you know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll get an interview with one such person soon. But,
1: it would be interesting to also listen to their uh, voices. What they think about queerness.
0: How well, I think they, they, have a, they have a lot of platform anyway. So that's not what I want to do. But I do want to kind of... Also, they need to realize that they also have to be accountable. You know, uh, accountable for their actions. What they do. And sometimes it's important to uh, also clear, uh, you know, misconceptions, because that happens a lot with my Bangladeshi relatives who have a certain understanding of uh, politics in India, because they feel persecuted as a minority back in Bangladesh. So they are, they are, some of them are Modi supporters. So while talking to them, you know, sometimes uh, it helps because I can say, okay, this is not true. This is what it is. So they are really surprised because they are listening to all these new Z news types of channels. Uh, yeah. So their engagement is a possibility. But sometimes I believe people are not looking for justice. They're looking for revenge. And that's when you cannot do much. Uh, you know, if it's a revenge if you, that is, you are looking for, then that's it. And I watched Zakham recently uh, because last I think I never saw the entire movie and I watched it on YouTube, I was like, wow, how come I have never watched this before in its entirety? So so that's, I think, the subtle line between revenge and, and justice. And then that helps you understand whom you should talk to and whom you can, you know, do work with. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for this interview. I will. Thank I will... you for calling me. No, thank you for giving me time because, like everybody is busy. This is a uh, mid- in the middle of your semester as well, and and mine. And I'm slightly more free because, like I said, I'm not teaching this semester. But uh, overall, this was a great conversation, uh, and of course, a lot of left advocacy. <laughs> but but I guess that is also important to know what left is doing, especially in Bengal, where uh, it seems like you know. There is a will be a very, very strong saffron, saffron presence soon. Mm. And uh, for reasons that are not just about the saffron cricket, but also about the current ruling party. Um, thank you so much. And I hope to see more screenings of the documentary. But I'm also I don't think I've seen your performances, although I've seen posters. I've actually not seen you perform. Uh, in person, so I'm hoping I'll be able to watch you.
1: Yeah, I can perform. Charlie, performed it in the US, couple of places, a couple of places.
0: Oh, yeah, I think Charles I saw B. posters. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you so, and good night. I'll send you the edited version soon.
1: Yeah.